they would basically create this bot and this bot would buy randomly things off Silk Road. It was really kind of creating and totally unsupervised a project which would order things in this marketplace using crypto and then they would basically exhibit everything which this bot ordered which which led even like you know to um i think it was around there there vernie sash this bot started ordering ecstasy or, or or drugs and there was like a raid and it was like confiscated and things like that hello everyone Welcome to the podcast, Floor is Rising, with host Sabretooth, a professional NFT collector, and Kizu, a professional art critic. On this podcast we talk deeply about the business of creating, collecting and analyzing NFTs. So, if you are a creator or a collector of NFTs, jump in. The water is warm. everyone welcome to another episode of floor is rising with us today special guest martin lucas ostentowski martin is most famously at least um i know him as both a crypto artist and also a crypto art historian on his website mlo.art martin welcome to the show thanks so much and thanks for having me looking forward to a chatting how did you get into a crypto art, but also how did you sort of get into becoming a crypto art historian? I was a painter before. I worked mostly like with traditional mediums like paper and, and canvases. And I used digital tools and was kind of using digital tools to create them because I usually work with very long processes, but I never really made digital art before so I got interested into crypto in about 2017, you know, as as like a currency. There was this ICO, so it was all over the place. I started reading up on it and I was really fascinated by the technology more than necessarily the currency itself back then. And after having read like dozens of books, I started really looking for applications in art. And um, it was about like, you know, 17, 18, the beginning of 18, when I started like really diving deep into like, okay, what has happened in the arts regarding blockchain, you know, and I discovered like these provenance applications, projects like Monograph and others. And then I discovered really right after they were founded, you know, the two bigger, let's say mainstream marketplaces, Super and Origin and joined them um, in, uh, April or May in 2018 and started really shifting my practice from being very physical into more and more digital where it kind of transitioned from, you know, adding digital elements to my physical paintings really to thinking digital first and then thinking, okay, are there opportunities for like hybrid approaches and others? And in doing that, I kind of always followed, I developed a body of work, which was mostly or is mostly an um, educational which which i found very intriguing because i believe you know that that a basic knowledge of blockchain technology will be crucial for future inclusion you know as this space is growing we might see you know obsolescence of like certain industries branches a lot of white and blue collar jobs might become redundant and i think that you know educating people on the subject it's important and it's always like part of what art was. It was documenting what is what is happening in that time. In my work, I work mostly with clouds because I find them they are like a very powerful symbol for me um, for the blockchain space. 
they are basically, you know, in a constant transformation. They are in, um, they're basically intangible. They're um, borderless, international. Um, you know, it's a, it's a symbol which works across all cultures and communities usually. It's, it's associated with something positive or divine. And um, it is also like kind of like a manifestation for me. You know, there's, there's people believe in the blockchain environment. They run their nodes and this is why they kind of manifest the value. And if people would stop believing in it and they would disconnect their nodes, um, basically this whole crypto ecosystem would collapse. And I think it would be, you know, dissolving like a cloud. And I find that symbolism is very, very interesting for me. How did I start really documenting the space um, that dates back to 2018? I was invited to exhibit here in, in Montreal at the Canadian Center for Architecture. It was like a, a blockchain conference and they were looking for artists which are, you know, working with, with the blockchain. I've spent several months working on a visualization which used live blockchain data. I exhibited it there. Much to my surprise, I was the only artist. Unfortunately, I was looking forward to, you know, connect and, and meet others. But I guess back then it wasn't much of a blockchain or crypto art space. And I noticed after I, I finished and I was very, very excited. I was happy about the piece. And then I started stumbling upon like Rhea Myers and discovered, you know, that she made kind of like similar life data based artworks about four years ago. And I thought like, wow, you know, if I want to dedicate like months of my time in, in making projects, which, which I think uh, might be new or innovative, I should really know first what has happened in the past. Back then, you know, the whole discussion on, on, on Twitter was like, okay, was, was CryptoKitties or CryptoPunks first, right? And we were totally ignoring like this vast history of, of interesting artworks, physical and digital so I started writing a blog post, but you know, it, it the vol the sheer volume of projects, artworks, artists, and exhibitions was so overwhelming that I I converted it soon into like a, basically a list of milestones because it was impossible to just keep up, you know, with the with the things you discover because you you stumble, for instance, across one artist, you discover a group exhibition, and then you have now twenty other artists to explore, and and really like it's it seems to be a never ending project and as we move forward the day-to-day -day news is basically occupying more and more of my time and I find myself unfortunately less and less um, in the position I can really dive deep into the into the history and roots but yeah this is about how it started one uh thing that I that I noticed especially because uh, you're part of a sort of an academic paper um, that was published in, in August last year called crypto art a decentralized view mm -hmm. one of the things I noticed and and even reading on your website is that you use the term crypto art whereas I think that term you know has pretty much fallen out of fashion now <laughs> most people when they're referring to what well, anything crypto art related these days tend to call it nft art or just nfts do you think that the term crypto art and NFT art are interchangeable or do you think like they mean different things? I think you, you really struck a good point that crypto art is, is getting less and less used while NFT seems to encompass more and more. And I think I'm working right now on, on definitions, really trying to promote the term crypto art because at its core, if we look at NFTs, you know, these are non-fungible tokens and a lot of artworks and projects which 
we call NFTs are really not, right? So you have like all sorts of artworks which were really fungible tokens and, and per definitions, they would not be an NFT. And I think crypto art is in that regard a much, much more wider and more accommodating term because you know it, it really encapsulates the fungible token, non-fungible tokens, but also just everything really digital art, which is conceptually fused to like the blockchain technology. You know, we had projects in 2014, which a smart contract became an artwork and, and there was no token, but yet it is, you know, directly linked to this technology. And I think that crypto art is really the more interesting and, and wider term, which, which should be or could be used to really encompass everything in this digital art space related to, to blockchain and not only the non-fungible token part. You know, you're an artist as well as position as a historian. And what else are some of the other challenges you would say uh, in terms of trying to document this history of crypto art? Because a lot of times, many of our other guests have said that uh, they have noticed that one of the problems is that the traditional or what we call trad art, the, the kind of conventional art community, is not either concerned and or understands what is happening in the crypto slash NFT art space and vice versa. So the, the so-called, you know, OG crypto artists, NFT artists, they are either, you know, sometimes they're dismissive of art history and other times they just don't care or they're ignorant about, you know, just, just regular art history throughout, you know, not just 20th century, let alone, you know, before that. So there, there's no conversation because both sides are not uh, aware of what's happening on the other side of the fence. Well, what's your reaction to that? The OG artist initially termed the, or, or coined the term NFT art to differentiate it from crypto art, which, which was for them, you know, it's kind of like two school of thoughts. The initial crypto arts for them had to be some sort of crypto related or blockchain related being like, you know, accompanying the the values, promoting the technology and, and and having really like a direct relationship to it. So when when NFTs really came about and it became more and more about art and less and less about you know this this blockchain technology itself, they really saw like okay, NFT is turning into a medium, which it is for me. You know, it is it's really like a medium for digital assets, whatever it is because you have right now such a wide variety already, right? You can have like metaversal plots, you can have rights, you can have licenses, you can have music. NFT is no longer like equivalent to art because there's so many other applications which are no longer art, right? So I think it was just interesting to know that really the initial crypto artists really tried to differentiate themselves from NFTs by saying, okay, we are crypto art and this is NFT art. This is you know, just using this technology as a medium. When it comes to the application on the traditional art world and, and the challenges there, I think when I first discovered the concept of crypto art, I was really fascinated by it because I saw it really like as a medium, right? As a medium which really solves our long, you know, paradox on where we have like digital art and we force it into physical mediums to distribute it, right? To create some sort of, possibility to monetize digital art, right? Because we, we had always this problem that, you know, the mediums were necessary in order to, to attract the interest of collectors because otherwise, you know, 
why would they buy something which they can just download, right? And then I think NFTs and, and crypto art really shifted this idea that we're embracing it more as conceptual art, where we say like, okay, we have now a conceptual ownership, which is represented by a token, and that is really the medium, right? And, and having something which is natively digital was for me something which I thought, okay, this could be really the vehicle which will ride digital art into the traditional art world. I think the traditional art world was, for the longest time, one of these industries which was very, very resistant to change. And I think what happened with, with NFTs is that we created, basically, we took the pariah digital art of the traditional art world and we gave it its own really world, you know, its own really world, which is kind of like parallel to the traditional art world, you know, because we have a new set of collectors, which are like all the kind of like demographic group, which is typically not part of the traditional art world. But, but here you found like, you know, a lot of misfits within the artists themselves, you know, which are like a lot of designers, a lot of 3D designers and people who are very interested in art, which are creatives, but never really had the chance to participate in the art world because, you know, there is a lot of barriers. It is a very tremendously long process to, to establish yourself in the art world. And that shifted, you know, with crypto art. It was suddenly there was like a group of people which understood what digital value means, which embraced intangible aspects of it. And they brought really the people and the collectors over time together. You said that one of the reasons why you became a sort of like a crypto art historian looked, you know, into projects in the past is that you sort of saw that as a way so that you could uh, make your art, I guess, more innovative, better in the, in the sense that if you understand the history, you can, you can sort of do better with, with your art. Um, have you found that to be the, the case? Like, does it have a direct impact on my art? Yeah. Probably unconsciously, right? Because I mean, um, what it definitely helped is, is from preventing me embarking in like big projects which I thought would be like new, which aren't, you know. Um, I think what it what it really helped me is is to see, okay, where is where is also my art shifting, right? Because I think what I really discovered is that I started exhibiting, I think really in, in 2019, my my physical and digital pieces, which were like blockchain themed, right? And I think. I learned mostly in these first exhibitions what really works and what doesn't, right? What If I want to kind of communicate things, explain things, the direct feedback with like a general audience, which is not on crypto Twitter, I think that was really for me, which helped me tremendously to, to gauge and, and, and feel and learn, you know, where do I have to go? Because my, my really my, my work is towards educating like misconceptions, demystifying these buzzwords, you know, so that it's like less intimidating for people who are not on crypto Twitter and not familiar with this technology to, to get like a basic idea of it. And in that regard, I think it definitely opened up my, my horizon, A, what, what happened. You know, it's, it's just like, we all think like, oh, NFTs, but really like, if you look at, at projects 2017 and before just the, the scale of these projects is just mind-blowing you know and that also kind of makes you think you know that the nft is not everything let's let's embark again on projects which are bigger with nft could be a part of it but it's not really the only thing of it you know let's limit ourselves no longer to this physical medium but think again on a bigger scale and i think that is something which i was one of my key takeaways you know that that for me we we might be right now 
in an eye of a tornado where we had like a very, very wild and um, if you want to call it like that, destructive phase where people were really challenging projects. There were social projects, there were eco environmental projects. It was like on such a vast scale. And now we are like kind of like in this in this eye of the tornado where things calmed a little bit down. Everything seems to be revolving around NFTs. And I think within that, we still see some sort of innovation, right? Because we push the boundaries of the NFT with like, you know, limiting it from being static, making it that it can self-destruct or it can continuously change and things like that. But I think that we will exit again at one stage, this eye of the tornado, and we're going to think again on a broader scale and, and bring these projects, which have, you know, all sorts of impacts, social, environmental, political, and whatsoever. Can you give some, I guess, examples of, of what you mean when you say um, projects that are broader in scope and and then I guess what you're calling the either tornado, the kind of the NFT focus right now? Can, can you give some examples of, of past projects? You know, there's, for instance, just as one, there was an artist called Julian Oliver, and he was commissioned by a museum to create an artwork, which was called Harvest. And so Harvest was basically a, a setup which uses and harvested wind energy to mine Monero tokens, right? So this wind energy would fuel basically a mining rig, which would use its revenue to fund climate change research. Or of course, there was the bail block application. So that was an app which um, people could install and it would use basically your computer to mine, again, Monero crypto. And these funds, these generated funds would be used to raise money for bail bonds for immigrants who could not afford it. You know, so these were like projects which which I think are just like so powerful, you know, so thoughtful. And we don't talk about them anymore. You know what I mean? We think about like, hey, what's your utility for this token? You know what I mean? While <laughs> while these were like projects which were like really changing lives of people and 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 really, you know, had a huge social component to it. And I think, you know, as we we move forward, we're going to see again more of that. It was just, or, or to give you another example, there was in 2015, maybe less of an impact, but I think a very interesting concept. It was like the random darknet shopper, which was uh, created by the collective uh, median group of Beatnik. And that was, for instance, really a conceptual piece where they would basically create this bot and this bot would buy randomly things of Silk Road. And, um, you know, it was it was really kind of creating and totally unsupervised a project which would order things in this marketplace using crypto. And then they would basically exhibit everything which this bot ordered, which led even like, you know, to, um, I think it was around there, there Vernie Sash, this bot started ordering ecstasy or, or, or drugs and there was like a raid and it was like confiscated and things like that. But these are, I think, like, you know, really interesting explorations with using this technology, using these applications of this technology to an extent which I kind of miss these days a little. All the projects that Martin listed are on his uh, website, mlo.art, and I suggest everyone um, go and check it out. Those basically kind of forgotten projects, right? Nobody really remembers those things anymore. But the stuff that people still remember from back in the day, so to speak, are projects like Ethereum, Bitcoin. So all those are what I would call like NFT-like 
<laughs> um, projects and then all the other projects that it's almost like there's kind of like an evolutionary chain going on where, you know, there's a lot of experimentation and then somehow, you know, we arrived at sort of NFTs as being kind of the culmination of that. And then, and then when you look back in kind of history, all the, all the things that are sort of NFT like are sort of discovered and all the things that aren't just kind of forgotten. And I guess the thing is, are these going to be forgotten forever and just kind of known as evolutionary dead ends or, <laughs> or will they be kind of rediscovered? <laughs> I think they're going to be rediscovered. You know, when I first started my timeline, you know, our entire discussion revolved around crypto punks or crypto kitties, you know, right. you know, now, and, and I was back then really pushing hard, like, you know, to consider projects like Bitcoin, to consider projects like Rhea Myers and artists like her, you know, and I think, you know, now we still want to, we don't want to divert yet from this NFT stream, right? So people are really attracted to early NFT projects. But I think as we go forward, we might just go back and really see like what are really, what is the entire scope of this crypto art, you know, and not only the NFT portion of it. But I, I understand, you know, we are obviously drawn right now to NFTs. So we are looking into the history of NFTs. So that's why, at least with my list, I try to promote also the projects which are not only NFTs and really, really promote this crypto art term, because I think one would have not existed without the other. And it's important to see the evolution how we, we came from something which was very intangible, how it moves towards like physical manifestations, right? I mean, the first manifestations of crypto art, if you want to, were like physical Bitcoins, you know? And it's fascinating to think that, you know, you have like these people who are like talking and, and envision Bitcoin, and yet they need a physical component in order to make it comprehensive and make it to like, you know, they needed discussion pieces to attract other people because it was just too abstract. And out of that, you know, you, you go and start commissioning artists, trying them to depict technical processes or like, you know, elements of the blockchain. And because art bridges this gap, right, between something very, very complex and, and something which is approachable for your everyday person. And I think there's like so much in this history to to cover, you know, I mean, like really this whole space needed a culture, right? It needed a culture. And, and especially after, I think for me, what I saw after the Silk Road controversy, you know, where everybody rejected Bitcoin, right? Where everybody said like, oh, Bitcoin is just like for criminals. Bitcoin is, is bad. It's the dark web, the dark market. Nobody wants to hear with that. So around that time, you have like suddenly you know, the discovery of Dorian Nakamoto. And and despite everybody knowing, you know, because it was clear within the first few weeks that he is not the creator of Bitcoin, we needed a profit, right? And you see until today that a lot of art revolves around Dorian because he became the prophet we needed. It didn't matter that he's the wrong one, but we needed some sort of identity in the space. And this identity manifests itself through all these different projects, you know, like through through Pepe cards, through throughout all sorts of collectibles, through PFPs, through through artworks, through paintings. And I think it's just fascinating to, to see and understand this is only for me at least possible if I also consider all the non-NFT projects. People like Kevin Abosh, um, Maria Myers, um, and, and, and a whole host of people from sort of 2018, I guess, kind of the super rare OGs, we're talking about like Hackatel, X copy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And there's something like all these people I would categorize as essentially artists who became, I guess, influential 
through crypto art or, or NFT art. And now that it's kind of in the mainstream, there's a whole host of sort of artists, probably headlined by, you know, Mike Winkleman, sort of people, who are artists that are famous from, you know, non-crypto art avenues, and then who are now entering sort of NFTs slash crypto art. Do you see, I guess, a, a tension between these kind of two camps? And then from like a crypto art historical perspective, do you think that crypto art history can only be made by people of from one camp rather than both camps? Or Yeah, I, I think definitely a lot of people were very skeptical about this whole people because they, as you said, you know, they didn't identify that people was the representative of this you know, history of this movement, of this early artwork, you know, nevertheless, I think, you know, it was, it was, you know, an important milestone because before really, you know, it was inevitable that, that it will blow up back then for us, you know, we didn't know when we didn't, we didn't expect how fast we didn't expect to which extent, but I think it was inevitable that it's going to go at one point or another that it become mainstream, right? I think, you know, despite all the I would say maybe reservation on the artistic side, you know, like what it, what it really is and what it became. I think a lot of people benefited from it, you know, like this large sale of these 69 million really catapulted NFTs into mainstream, right? And, and that drew in so many people and so much interest that a lot of the artists, I guess, which which might have been skeptical also, you know, received a lot of attention, you know, as, as with all movements or ideas or, or streams in art, I believe, you know, that that it's it's sometimes not up to the people to decide where it goes, right? It's, it's it gets to a point where it grows bigger than than individuals. And I think um, the new era of creators, which which come entirely to the space for this medium, it's just as legit as for everybody who came there for the ideals. I think it is important that it is a space which is not exclusive because I think, you know, what brought this space to, to, to the growth and I think to the attraction for a lot of us was that this is not the traditional art world, right? This is not where you have so many gatekeepers. This is not where you have so many taste makers. Everybody can just come and, and try and explore and, and learn and grow and see if it's a fit for you or not. And I think that if we really want it to be, we have to be as welcoming to all sorts of arts projects, which might not necessarily align with us ideologically or, you know, artistically. But if we kind of want this space still to be what we thought it is, or, or we want it to be, then we have to be just as embracing to it as, um, as we should. I don't know to which extent it answers this question. Can you think of any artists that you think are particularly that the trad art world maybe are, are particularly resistant to in the sense that it goes, it flies in the face of um, most of, you know, contemporary art history in the sense that it, it runs so counter to the sensibility, the conceptual kind of ideas, the aesthetics, you know, and, and also vice versa. So, you know, what are some artists that, the on, on the crypto and nft art side do you think you know they, they they view certain traditional or contemporary artists as like almost like anathema or like totally counter to the the ethos of crypto art for example you know so i'm trying to get a sense of like what what kinds of artists are kind of like very like estranged like the the total opposite of each camp i guess in a sense 
uh, one example I even personally struggled with in the beginning was for me kind of like the trash art movement, right? Which was, I think, really challenging everybody's idea of copyright and what is fair use of imagery, right? Because I guess in the beginning, you know, like a lot of artists in the space, you know, were putting a lot of thought and work into their artworks. And then, you know, you basically came in with an approach to really like recycle or re remake existing artworks in a matter of, of maybe just minutes, you know, and then basically challenging everybody, provoking and, and things like that. I think that might be an early example of something which was fairly challenging, I think, for a lot of people in the space, you know, because you had you had really a lot of people with the idea that, okay, this is a place for artists. This is where artists are putting out their work, but then suddenly you have artists which are using other artists' work, right? And that would steer emotions, that would steer reactions, that would steer almost like groups and fractions, you know? And that was also like so mind-boggling aesthetically, you know, for many people to accept. And yet it was, you know, it, it, it turned out to become some sort of a movement, right? Where, where certain artists like Ropness or Max Osiris kind of spearheaded it to the extent that they were banned from websites and marketplaces, you know, and then you reach a point where these these projects are suddenly in, in newspapers and, you know, these artists are getting a forum to speak and, you know, these, these artworks are getting recognized. So I think that might be as Duchamp as you could go, I guess, within the crypto art space that, you know, something which was which has like this photo mosh aesthetic. And for people who don't know what it is, it was basically a website which would create basically on the push of a button and some sort of abstraction, a glitchy, very distinct abstraction of existing artworks. And, um, you know, it, it really became something which was very um, controversial within, within the crypto community itself. It polarized collectors, it polarized uh, marketplaces. There were, you know, supporters and adversaries on both ends and yeah i guess from artists which i really you know kevin abosh is i think for me an artist which has always been very very on the forefront of challenging the value discussion right i mean and i think that that sometimes his steps of you know putting out work which seems to be an opposite of like the scarcity approach i think you know he's he's totally not following necessarily the the intentions or wishes of his collector race, but really wants to continuously stir the discussion about what is value and what is not. I would just maybe try and provoke you a bit more um, in the sense <laughs> that I, I think among those, I agree that maybe Kevin is probably pushing the envelope the most to, for, for me personally. Um, whereas I think with um, the trash art movement, I feel like they didn't go f quite far enough. I feel like they did kind of play with the idea of like, what is ownership in the age of NFT and, and digital art? But that the idea that, you know, oh, we, we're just reusing, we're, we're you know, it's a, it's a trashy kind of reworking, uh, reconfiguration. I mean, this this is a quite a Dada approach, right? And that was done 140 years ago, really. And the only thing that's different is that it's on an interface, the, the screen, has become the canvas, but the imagery is, is quite basic, I would say. Do you think that you know, those more radical conceptual projects will continue to be forgotten? Or do you think they'll see a return to them 
Um, I think definitely that within the history of art, it's, it's always kind of like an evolution, right? And things and themes come back. Even if you if you look at, you know, the early or the, the short history of the crypto art movement, right? You see like elements with like, which are very conceptual, then it becomes very visual. We get like data approaches and then we shift toward like generative art. We shift towards 3D, you know, we kind of follow and, and repeat basically within the crypto art, like movements, if you want, right? Or streams or waves. And I think this is something which is which is quite fascinating to observe, right? I mean, before, you know, projects like, or like art blocks, you know, this whole generative, generative art movement didn't seem to have its own place yet in the crypto art, right? But digitally native people really latched on and you have now several derivatives of this website or, or concept, right? You have like ethbox, you have like FX hash. There's like, you know, we're starting seeing generative art cross chains and, and it really starts to become something where within the crypto art, we create such a mainstream interest of these initial movements that, that it really shifts the look back to the history, right? I think with the rise of, of all these generative art projects, websites, and platforms, you know, I think we really shifted the, the mainstream traditional art discussion also into what is the roots of like the digital art movement, you know, who were like the pioneers of digital art. And I think to the same extent, maybe like in a, in a couple of decades, we're going to be looking back at these, as you said, very conceptual pioneers of crypto arts, and they're going to get and they should get the recognition they deserve, you know, for, you know, going into a space which is so nascent, which is so pure, if you want to, without necessarily, you know, this this attraction, which typically, you know, commercial commercial interest leads to, but really like exploring it on this level, which you say like radical, you know, which is which is just fascinating to to see, fascinating to explore. And um, I believe we're going to look back. I don't think that they're going to be forgotten. I think, you know, at least that's that's one of the objectives which I try to do with my timeline, right, is to, to just give them a forum. And I think a lot of people are really interested in these projects. And, and I believe, you know, as whenever something gets big, it's always people always start to look back and we're going to see more and more. We're going to see like maybe like retrospectives of some of these early crypto artists and other things coming in the next years. Because I think as the shift is moving forward, these great artists are going to be recognized for what they've done. CryptoKitties was the biggest, I mean, it broke Ethereum. It was the biggest thing. It, it generated sort of headlines all over the place. CryptoPunks had a nice little bump when it, when it released, but basically went into like multi-year hibernation right like it, it just wasn't hyped at all like not compared to, to crypto kitties and the arc of kind of history we're, we're still only you know four or five years removed but crypto kitties i would say is becoming less and less relevant <laughs> essentially in the sense that it kind of was the first big sort of nft game but all subsequent games that came after it haven't really modeled crypto kitties at all i mean if anything you could say sort of Axe Infinity has, has a bigger influence in, in sort of uh, NFT games that are coming up. Whereas Punks, you could you could say that pretty much any PFP project is kind of like a derivative of Punks and they're, they're getting pumped out, you know, dozens per day these days. And and I would say if you, if you travel back to that time, 
there's no way you could say that CryptoPunks is going to be a way more significant project than CryptoKitties. I mean, if, if anything, I think I think anyone at that time would have would have said the exact opposite. And I want to bring it back to the present day. Like I'm almost certain that that this is kind of happening today, but obviously we just don't know what that is, right? That whatever we're hyping today is is going to lose significance, and and there's going to be something that all of us are missing today that is going to be you know what everyone talks about in in, in five years. I really think that, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of early artists which are still not getting the recognition. I think that is definitely one thing. Um, It's kind of difficult for me to say because like for me, NFT is not where it should be yet, right? It's it's like, it's an evolution. Like it's for me, it is really a medium, you know, like a video cassette, like a CD, like a DVD. This is now NFT 1.0 if you want to. And I think it's, it is an evolution. And in this evolution, we have to, I guess, expect or also expect that the, the demand and, and the requirements towards this medium will change, right? And I think what I see right now happening is, you know, we have this on-chain discussion, you know, we have this preservance or conservation discussion where we kind of go away from this more conceptual approach to NFTs, but we're really driven mostly by people who entered the space and and perceived it as such that the NFT should also encapsulate and hold basically the artworks, right? And I think as we are moving forward, we're going to see an evolution of the standard or the, the way we see it today. It's also one of the reasons why, for instance, I personally always was very interested in artists, which had already an artistic practice before they entered the NFT space, which which wanted to kind of, you know, make their path as an artist, because I always was concerned about the longevity, right? And if I have like artists, which are, you know, which have the intention of being an artist for their entire life, right? I always felt like some sort of comfort and and confidence that, you know, as we are moving forward, these artists would be very interested to preserving their own work and, you know, this legacy, if you want to. So are there things which we definitely kind of fail to acknowledge or, or recognize 100%? And, you know, maybe there's even projects which we will discover in the upcoming years. I mean, there's still blockchains, which I haven't dived into deep enough. Like, you know, like I haven't really fully, I haven't a full grasp on on all the Namecoin projects. There's MasterCoin. There's, there's still a lot of ground to cover. And I think among these might be really some very, very interesting and intriguing projects, which might, might even change the narrative. I mean, you know, one of the reasons why I created this timeline is because I had to rewrite this this intro to this so many times because I discovered new early and first projects. is It's dynamic, right? And I think that's it's also the fascination and beauty of it, and motivates me to keep going at it because it just it just doesn't stop, you know. Do you have basically people messaging you and like saying, "Okay, you're, you're missing this," and then this is how because you're kind of known in the space now, at least among the, the people who are kind of deeper into the space. Is that how you get a lot of these, you, you kind of uncover a lot of these projects? Yes, it happens from time to time. It's not that I get like every every week, like messages and whatever, but I do get occasionally messages. A lot of projects, it's really when you discover artists or projects and really trying to get in touch with them. This is where really 
you know, because then they remember, oh, there was like another artist or there was like an exhibition or there was like another project. And that's usually how, you know, you can you can find the threads to follow the breadcrumbs if you want to. Um, a lot of work is also it's very, very basic, but like these old forums like Bitcoin Talk and others, you know, where you find like traces to a lot of a lot of projects which are forgotten. And, um, you know, there's a lot of also now NFT archaeologists, which which are a little bit more focused on the collectible side. I personally am more intrigued and interested in really like the artworks and artists. What you're kind of doing so that, you know, people can get a sense of, uh, of you as an artist. Sure. Aside from documenting the history of crypto art, I'm currently working on um, a definition model for crypto art, really trying to, to distinguish and, and differentiate better you know, the terms crypto art, NFTs. And I try to lead this discussion really with examples from the past to make it like, you know, easier to understand and, and maybe hopefully easier to get some sort of consensus by showing really examples what these terms would mean and what wouldn't. Other than that, I'm working on physical exhibitions. I'm, I'll be exhibiting in, um, in April at the Bitcoin Art Gallery during the Bitcoin Conference in Florida. I have a solo exhibition in May here in Montreal, and um, there's other projects in the works, which I can't really share too many details about yet. Regarding crypto art, I am still working on the release of my first real large async piece, which is, um, which is a project we've been working on now since July 2020 which is quite complex in its, in its um, way to the extent that it might be for a long time the last one with such a complexity because it really generates with a lot of data entirely new images. I try to kind of create an artistic chart if you want to, which is updated every hour and it's really challenging on the infrastructure. But um, we're in the final stages of releasing that piece and I'm also working towards my first piece on um, art blocks. Martin, who is your favorite artist? That is really a hard question because there's so many which which um, come to my mind. I think just given its relevance, because um, the crypto community lost today one of their OG icons, if you want to, a lot of money. I think maybe I would just want to honor him and mention him here, who was like a very, very influential artist, metaverse architect, incredible humor and, and you know, visual style, which was easily recognizable. So I would use this question to just um, shout out to him, who was definitely a great, great artist and person and um, unfortunately passed away today or, or last night. Martin, on, on a note, thank you for, for coming to the show. And it's been a great discussion and uh, it's been awesome having you here. Thank you. Yeah, the pleasure was mine. It's fun. Uh, let's keep in touch. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Floor is Rising. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and follow and give us a review on your favorite podcast app. Remember to also follow us on Twitter at Floor is Rising. You can reach out to us or send us a question. Just send us a DM at Floor is Rising.